creatives welcome to a special holiday episode of unpublished my name is amy i'm james and we're doing this from our beautiful little hotel room um we just couldn't have a week without making contact with you all well amy couldn't oh yeah oh that's rude james <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think i feel this has been too much of a thing lately but i was really reluctant to do it today yeah what's happening i just am not in a i'm just exhausted creatively mm. basically mm. i haven't written for two weeks yeah because i realized the other day that i haven't had a solid break from writing for like two and a half years and it all just caught up, kind of caught up with me i was doing this course and i was getting all this feedback from people and i was like just realized that i didn't have the energy to deal with the feedback mm. and then i just like felt almost like a revulsion mm. towards creating not towards my own creation just like not revol- i just felt a complete need to disconnect yeah and i realized that my whole life i've really valued long periods of rest yeah and i haven't taken one from writing like I, i've just had an almost unending well of energy to write mm. and i think that's because i take such good care of myself and yeah i'm so good with my rest day to day yeah but then i realized i also just need a long i need sabbaticals yeah sabbatical i love that word yeah and it's um i I've kind of felt like i really I was like, I don't want to do podcasts because I was like, I don't feel like I can do the podcast when I'm not writing. Yeah. Like I have to be doing both. I have to be writing in order to be able to, to do the podcast properly. I think this is something that I come across with a lot of creators who feel that they don't own the title of creator when they're resting. Um, and it's, I, didn't, I feel like you need to question why that is. I know. I think it's just like, it's so stupid. Okay, obviously, I can recognize it as a really, um, as a not, a not a true story. Yeah. But it felt like, I was like, well, what if I never write again? And then I'm this fraud who's just like got a creativity podcast about writing when he never writes. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what if this is the first of me being a fraud? First week of me being a fraud. <laughs> but I mean, the reality is I'm, I'm, I'm going to write again. I think that for so many of us, and for me included, I had a really bad week of writing last week. Like I only did it like two times rather than five times. I think because I find it so much easier when you write with me. And I thought maybe this is the beginning of the end. And I think when creators stop creating or have rest periods or have bad weeks of creating there's this tiny voice that just says to you what if this is the beginning of the, the failure or the complete stop yeah like oh my god i was only sustaining myself by some kind of miracle before yeah and what if the miracle's over and that's a lack of trust yes it is which is weird because we've built we've been so good with building trust it just shows you how fragile it is right mm. like what we do is hard like what we do is not just crunching numbers or you know yeah. it's not just doing something manual it's like something that comes from a really myth- mystical and kind of uh almost transcendent place that mm. is really hard and and it is scary because you always I always feel I always have the sensation when I'm writing a book that I'm you know going very fast downhill with no breaks mm. and it just feels like I'm only just in control yeah and I think when I'm writing a story that's what it, the story feels like that as well like yeah both me and myself is a reflection of where the story is and they sort of mirror each other. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's totally. Just, it's just I'm always worried that finally I'm going to veer out of control. Yeah. Yes. But what I think, what I realized is I actually haven't naturally taken breaks from um, writing in the past. So, you know, when I said I haven't had a real break for two and a half years, that, that's sort of, I'll take a week off it for Christmas usually. Mm. Um, or maybe, yeah, that's pretty much, I pretty much took... Yeah, between my second novel and my third novel, I didn't take any break, mm. which was a mistake, I think, mm. because I did take a break between my first novel and my second novel. Yeah, of like two weeks at least. Yeah, which I don't actually think it was too short. 
potentially as well. Yeah. I don't know, I've had this stupid idea that I have to write a book a year, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything. I like, oh, sorry, James, I'm sorry I touched the mic and it wobbled. <sighs> Jeez, Amy. We'll be fighting about this later <laughs> on our way to Hamilton. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, no, wait. What did you just say before I touched the mic? That I... Oh, you want to have a longer break? No. I don't know. Oh, it's gone. Jeez, and the mic is such a... It just, st- like, I panicked. A- I was like, fuck, I've touched it. James is going to be so mad about this. The mic is literally the sorest point of our marriage. It, it is. It is the source of all the tension in our marriage. It really is. And there you go. It just ruined our podcast. <laughs> Today's podcast is actually going to be about the importance of storytelling and the importance of fiction. Yes. Um, And I just wanted to have this conversation because I've seen a lot of stories um, from not necessarily just from creators, but from readers, from people who consume art that, you know, we're trending much more towards nonfiction creations at the moment. We love this idea. Self-improvement is just so big at the moment. We really love the idea that uh, self-improvement books and self-improvement, you know, works will uh, improve us and it's very applicable to us. And I just wanted to talk about how storytelling, fiction, but not just fiction, you know, all forms of storytelling art are actually there to serve us as people too and they in their own way can you know be of huge service i mean absolutely i mean this idea that only nonfiction can really tell you anything about the world mm. that only nonfiction can really teach you anything is ridiculous yeah. i mean there's a reason that we teach children stories yeah it's because and it's not, not that all stories are didactic or not all stories are deliberately designed to teach lessons but every story is at its heart a thought experiment yeah it's what would happen if I threw these this element in with this element within with this element? Um, what would happen? Mm, Which is yeah. why I love science fiction so much. And I love fantasy so much because it's like, um, while I appreciate literature set in a modern context, mm. I really feel like the power of science fiction and fantasy is that you can go like, this is a complete workshop of ideas. Like This is not even bound by the conventions of modern society in any way. This is, could be anything. I mean, think about one of my favorite... Um, science fiction books of the last few years uh, Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie where she writes a story about a like a massive warship that is used to having eyes and ears that cover thousands and thousands of perspectives and it gets con- it gets condensed into the body of a single yeah I remember being. you telling me about this and then this warship has to live as an, a solitary single being like what an amazing idea like what an amazing perspective to pursue and and within that perspective, it has all sorts of commentaries on what it means to be a person, commentaries on gender, commentaries on race, like commentaries on colonialism. Like mm. it's just an amazing sandbox to explore literally dozens of different concepts that you could just, you know, someone could have written a nonfiction book entitled like The One and the Many or something and mm. talked about the psychology of the self versus the group fine it would have been fine yeah but they just wouldn't have been able to explore in the same kind of amazing and also like you know emotional as well emotional when it's put into that sort of perspective it it creates a real emotional resonance you can't get from non-fiction, non-fiction. it really makes you and it, and you learn so much like those stories really stick with you like when you read i read a lot of non-fiction don't get me wrong i read bucket loads of non-fiction do you, what's the percentage do you reckon for you at least 50 50 you reckon 50 50 yeah i reckon at the moment i really i change from like big fiction phases to big non-fiction phases yeah. but over the end of a year i reckon it's 50 50 for me too and you know it's a battle to remember three facts from a yeah. 400 page non-fiction book 
but it is so easy. You ask me any fiction book I've read in the last 10 years, I can pretty much tell you the entire plot. I can tell you subplots. I can tell you character. I can mm. tell you um, tiny, tiny details that just are so, so easily stick in the mind and stay with me for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like even my favorite nonfiction book of all time, Sapiens by Noah Harari, Yuval Noah Harari. I don't think about that. It stayed with me for a few weeks and I don't think about it super regularly. Maybe like when I get reminded of it, I do. But yeah. thinking about some of my favorite fantasy stories or science fiction stories, I think about them all the time, yeah. constantly. Yeah, yeah. and Sapiens is your fa- one of your favorite books It's the, the book world. I recommend that everyone reads. Yeah. And everyone reads. Yeah. I guess I wanted to talk about this today, both um, to address us as readers, as consumers of art, and also as creators, to just remind us of the importance of fictional storytelling however it is that you choose to storytell um, and the power of it and the power for you to tell your story and vice versa and the power of you to understand yourself and understand your perspectives more when we consume that art mm. or thinking about visual art you know today we went to the australian museum and we saw uh, an exhibition about um the, the white colonizers of australia and indigenous culture mm. and the thing that really struck struck me about the exhibition was not necessarily the historical documents but it was the art that Mm. indigenous australians aboriginal australians have made now today about colonization yeah and it was just like those are the images that now when i think back to it they're seared into my mind oh my god 100 percent, and they're pure storytelling Mm. incredible and they're not yeah they're not you know they're not depictions of colonization they're not depictions of the uh brutalization of indigenous australians by white settlers they are much more abstract much more Mm. modern images but Mm. they say so much more Mm. yeah there's storytelling in all of our crafts Mm. um and i just i'm so enchanted by it and when i am asked to give one word as to like what i do i really like the idea of myself being a storyteller i feel like that's the word i resonate with the most Mm. and it's been really interesting with the release of the rules upheld by no one just um looking at how people who have read it because they support me and love me but who haven't read fiction a lot being so surprised at at what the rules upheld by no one could mean to them and could mean to their own story and their own you know development as people like it made them question you know parts of their sexuality and it made them question parts of their upbringing and i just that has been one of my favorite pieces of feedback because i wrote that book and it's fiction but you know it's instilled with so many parts of me and my thoughts around religion and sexuality and and relationships and the fact that people who haven't read fiction a lot who would normally stay on the side of non-fiction have been able to see themselves in it really just brings me joy and it reminds me of the power of fiction and, and at the same time you didn't have to go in there thinking i'm going to teach people a, le- a lesson no. it happens naturally it happens because naturally. of your like because you're telling the story from your own heart yeah and it's not like in, if you're writing a, if you're writing nonfiction if like if you, you know you've written nonfiction and nonfiction books it's like I have, yeah. you're really thinking about the message when you write nonfiction. Oh my god, yeah. Whereas you're thinking about the story and the message happens naturally often in fiction. It's so naturally. And it and and as a result, it feels more authentic often. It yeah. feels more. I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, I completely agree. It's not as in your face. Mm. You've kind of come away from the book you know having very organically thought about of a lot of it rather than like being asked to think yeah. about it like yes. it's just and you feel almost more in control like when i read a really good fiction book that's really brought up a lot for me a lot about my own life a lot about my own perspectives like i don't feel like i've been told to think about these things like i almost feel like for a rebel it really pleases me i'm like okay so i'm gonna think about this has kind of provoked it in me i haven't been told to do anything like in my nonfiction, i'm literally giving you journaling prompts about what you know 
you are to think about how you are to what you are to take away from the book but with fiction it's so much more subtle and i love like i'm kind of romanced and not only you're not it. being told it's probably often something that maybe the author didn't even intend oh my god and yeah. it's something that it's it's so much more about how you are interacting with their words rather than non-fiction is like they want to take over your consciousness in not an evil way just mm. like the point of non-fiction uh, or like an essay is to really assert logic over someone's mind so that they can only think in one way yeah whereas that is not the point of fiction at all yeah it's the it's the point of you know you you throw something out there and the wind will take it however way the wind being your mind will take it however it wants to yeah and it's not whereas non-fiction it's like well you're following channels you're yeah following, they're, they're, it's digging channels in your brain and it's forcing you to follow them in many ways that's why i love it yeah i mean it's you can so just obviously beautiful. you can disagree with a piece of non-fiction and go a of different course, way, but yeah, that's yeah. often it's either agreement or disagreement it's a binary kind whereas of. fiction's not it's got a thousand it's got a million or any kind of art it can take it you to so many different places which is just incredible it's like and i really truly think that fiction has shaped much more my worldview my personality than non-fiction even though mm. i love to read non-fiction like non-fiction is the sort of thing you go I want to know. I go. I want to know specifically about this topic. I'm going to read this specific book. Yeah. Like I want to know what the history of money is. So I bought this book at the bookshop the other day about the history of money. Whereas, mm. like, I'm not picking up a fiction book and going like I want to know specifically something. And therefore, I'm more likely to be surprised by something by knowledge, yeah. surprised by insight. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know the answer to. But what would you say has been the most impactful or one of the most impactful fiction books that you've read? That's such a good question. I mean, I remember. I mean, I remember in in school having to read Tim Winton's Cloud Street and oh, hating yeah. the idea that was really impactful for me it was just you know I'm such a sucker for fantasy novels but sometimes I'll read a, I'll read a contemporary fiction novel and it'll just strike such a huge chord with me yeah I mean I really think I often I get more emotionally personally affected by modern literary by modern fiction do you know um, what's so funny it's why? like you're such a little wanker when it comes to literary fiction you're always like oh it's so wanky i mean why do all these literary fiction but the books that some of the books that have most impacted you are really high brow i know literary it's because fiction. i go to fantasy and science fiction often to escape right yeah whereas, yeah whereas i go to literary fiction to learn mm. or to i don't know it's really hard i mean i i really find it so stressful to think about what's a book that a book that's really impacted me the most recently um sorry do you have an idea for yourself no, but I was thinking about how Cloud Street, Street impacted you a yeah. lot. Um, I remember, like, you are very careful with your emotions, and I remember it just, like, struck a real chord with you. It did, you. yeah. Um, particularly... That book made me weep. Yeah, which is rare. Yeah, very I've rare. I've seen James cry twice. <laughs> Once when he was really drunk. Third generation trauma. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about it impacted you? I almost can't even remember, but I can remember lying in bed at like 11:30 at night just crying mm. at the ending like I, I can almost it's i can almost remember feelings rather than than words or images like yeah. i i remember at the i mean i don't want to spoil the book for anyone oh, but true yeah there's a, a sort of like a the ending is really bittersweet mm. um and what's his name fish fish that's what i'm thinking of. um and yeah, I don't really know how to describe it other than it was... Or maybe it is that, like, kind of untellable, like... Exactly. It isn't tangible in the way that a nonfiction teaches you. Yeah. Like, it just touched a part of you that was inexplicable. Yes, whereas often fantasy, the the feeling that I'm filled with is wonder, mm. not with... That's what I was yet. thinking. So I was thinking about fiction books that have really impacted me. And, like, I think a lot of my ethos of my life is really noticing the small things, noticing the little miracles and that gratitude for the little things. And a lot of that has come from reading books where I'm just completely enchanted by this, the world building. Mm. Um, That's, yeah, hugely. So, like, when I feel like I'm 
looking at the tiny miracles, I almost feel like I'm world building in my mm. own life. Mm. You know, like noticing like how lovely this glass is I'm carrying right now and the color of the Negroni that's in it. Like this is stuff that I would love to write about. And I saw it in a lot of like, I'm talking like Harry Potter, um, even like Name of the Wind. Like it's like really detail oriented, those books. Yeah. And I loved that. And that's really entrenched itself as a part of me because I'm just always in wonder of the world. Yeah, and I'm always know, collecting told, beautiful tokens of the world. You're told, as, you're told as a writer never to info dump, but I'm almost like bring on the info dump. Like <laughs> I want to know, I want to know what the economic system of this world is. Like, yeah. I want to know how these people live. I want to know what they're doing. And you don't necessarily need to show me it. You can tell me it. It's literally, I, yeah. um, I'm just, I love to look at a new world and an invented world because it gives me a new perspective on my world. Yeah. And I wish that, I mean, actually, Patrick Rothfuss does say that he starts with the economics of the world before. He, I don't really believe him because I don't think the economics of his world is particularly developed or doesn't seem. But <laughs> like, Patrick. I don't know, it's what he says. He's, I mean, I think it's an interesting perspective to start mm. from what are the economics of this world and mm. how does that work? I mean, mm. I know in um, Name of the Wind, the main character, Kvothe, is always very concerned with money because he doesn't have a lot of money. Mm. So I, maybe from that perspective, he, yeah, he's thinking economics. But um all these things where it's like you know as a, as a writer you can choose i mean for all i know maybe it, he, he maybe the economic system of the world is extremely well developed he just doesn't, doesn't talk, talk about, about it very it, yeah. much and that's all about like you know how do you as an author or how does your how do you as a creative ground yourself in your creation yeah and you know some people talk about oh, i start with the geology mm, like i look at the, oh what God. are the rocks like yeah you know? these these sort of fascinating things which then let you then create a new thought experiment a different yeah. thought experiment i think the attention to detail in books is what drew me to writing because I wanted to do that. I wanted to, which is so funny because I'm such a macro view person. Like I have literally no attention to detail in real life mm. other than noticing, I guess. Whereas if you consume contem contemporary fiction, like the world, they can't be world building because it's, it's this it's our world. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're focusing much more on character. And yeah, you're much more on, um, you know, I'm reading Sally Rooney's latest book at the moment and nothing happens it's the it's seinfeld without comedy as mm. we, i said this morning to you like it's just but that's almost the interesting part about it yeah like you kind of get these sort of vapid people who think they're really cool and clever you just watch them kind of be annoying mm. and that's I mean, and that's the book and I don't, I don't know i don't know what the point of it is but but it does seem it to strike something it does seem to strike something like I, i'm mm. not trying to throw shade on sally rooney i, I do enjoy the books but it's just like I'm, I'm baffled almost by why I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I love that. And again, like it's like the mystery and this book is romancing you and you're not entirely sure why and it's mm. showing you parts of yourself that you're not even able to identify and it's like that's the magic. I mean, Sally Rooney herself in the book, so part of the structure of the book is that every other chapter is an email from one of the main characters to the other. Mm. And in one of the emails, the character who's the writer is talking about her. She's even saying, it's almost like, it's, um, I'm going to say Liam Moriarty, but uh, Sally Rooney's almost saying to herself like, modern people who write modern literary fiction she has like paragraphs of her just bagging out other like her and including it's like herself very meta. yeah it's very much i mean she wrote the book she said that she wrote the book to try to deal with the fact that she's, she's this novelist now, and she's yeah. like kind of thinks it's meaningless but at the same time meaningful and she can't really get i mean it's actually a really interesting book to read to to get to the heart of this issue yeah interesting I mean, at the heart of it i think the book is grappling with the idea of what place does art have in this sort of fallen that. fucked up world I mean, I think that's what I wanted to talk about today because I think you know, so many people think reading fiction is frivolous or, or consuming like these like non-fiction forms of art is frivolous. Mm. But I just see it as the most profound and magical thing that we could do. Yeah, I mean, I think that fiction literally changes the world. I think yeah. art, the way, not just, like, not fiction, art changes the world. Think about how much of an impact movies have on the culture. Mm. Much bigger than any article in The Economist, you know? Yeah, yeah. Much bigger than any of the big non-fiction books coming out. Like, yeah. sure, sometimes... You know, maybe the president of the United States will read um, 
a nonfiction book and maybe that'll 0.001% affect the pol their policy decision or something. Right, yeah. But, you know, what about the 300 people who go and see the Marvel movies in the, in the US that year? 300 million people, I was like, sorry. 300 <laughs> people? That's bombed. Um, and... You know, yeah. and the way that and the messages that, Mar that the Marvel yeah. movies like, surely that's in, that's making its way into the public the culture. Yeah, like so, so, so much more than you know. The, I mean, you you say like nonfiction is super popular. I don't know if that I don't know if it sells better than fiction. I just, I mean, this is, I mean, it's not very Jamesy, but like I feel that people read nonfiction now more than ever before, and people that weren't reading now read nonfiction. Yeah, I think maybe it's it's maybe it's captured a non-reading market but i still feel like yes. the core reading market is yeah, still massively consuming fiction i just randomly thought of our wonderful friend and incredible artist montaigne who is releasing a new album and she has decided that this album is fictional and she's writing it all it's like a fantasy mm. um music like fantasy album it's all a story that she's telling um about space and sci-fi and i was just thinking about the ability to storytell in like different art forms mm. and how montaigne's um, you know choice to not you know so many musicians that they're just telling stories like almost non-fictional autobiographical stories in their music um but this idea that she was just like i just want to tell you know my truth through fiction story, yeah it's just mm. so beautiful it's and i just cool. love and i love that the idea of fantasy and storytelling can merge and you know wind its way through so many different art forms and i'm so excited to listen to it yeah i mean or think of the world's great art works you know to, to suggest that just most people don't read let's talk about the renaissance mm. most people aren't reading you know erasmus most people aren't reading um da vinci's writings you know we're consuming yeah. art from those periods yeah. like that's what and you know we're going to museums to consume the sculpture and the artwork mm. and that's the insight we're getting into their cultures and that's what's affecting us now I know the historians are reading the documents i know yeah i mean well I, as a historian it's kind of an interesting perspective it's interesting as a historian how much you love stories well i mean that's why i uh, that's why I love history. I love to read from the perspective of an ancient civilization. Like mm. when I read Livy, I'm who's the ancient historian who I probably have read the most of. Mm. I I see it as like this amazing like entry into a portal into a world that I'm not supposed to be in. It's like yeah. I've pulled back this museum veil and I've seen like I'm in the mind of an ancient person. Yeah, that's cool. Or ancient plays. Like you read an go read an ancient play like. They're fucking funny. Yeah, it's I love just an that. amazing. Like, you go read a comedy, go read a Greek or Latin comedy. Obviously, read it in English. Don't do what I do and spend a whole semester translating oh one. Oh my god. Um, go read it in English, and it's you'll be surprised by how much you laugh. Like these people yeah. were just. I remember you telling me them. They were so hilarious. Funny. They well, so many dick jokes. So many dick jokes. I mean, that really interests me. I yes. love I love just witnessing like. We think that people us. in the past were these like princey proper yeah. kind of like. They were but, so dirty. But through the fiction of these comedies, like we get a. An amazing insight into who they were That's day to cool. day. So cool. Mind you, obviously, Olivia is a historical yeah, yeah. writer. But also, you know, th this is the big question among historians is these historical documents, they didn't have... I mean, they were... It's so they biased were, they anyway. Were they were epics, yeah. essentially. Like, you know, it's history as epics. So yeah. it's so hard to filter the fact from the fiction anyway. I mean, I can imagine as a historian, like... And I did history too, I guess, but just not as far along as James at. But, like, a play is just as useful an insight into the history as... An historical recording of what happened of course mm. of course i mean i used plays alongside archaeology alongside yeah. historical texts as my part of my master's thesis like it's yeah um it's a so great important. indication it's, of what we're massively are doing. important and i'm sure that people will in centuries past use our art to show Just, who we were yeah, I love in that. so many ways 
I mean, there'll be so much to sift through. That's the problem, you know, when, you, when yeah. you're a historian, you've got, well, you've got like six plays to look at here. I'm thinking about Hank Green's, um, what was the book that we both read? The one about yeah, the social an abso- media. Absolutely remarkable thing. Yeah, like what an incredible insight into our time now. Mm. That was a great book. It was a great book. That if you was, haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that was about... So really looking about at social media, social media yeah, and, and, and fame but also it was like kind of sci-fi well it was sci-fi yeah really fantastic it literally it was brain. like if well i'm not going to spoil too much for you but what how do how does social media and how do we react to sort of unexplainable events in our world mm. that are really beyond anything we've experienced now like you know what if something truly inexplainable happened in broad daylight filmed on camera all over the world mm. what would we do as a people yeah so interesting it's so interesting and it's like you can't write a nonfiction book. You can't write a book entitled like "Our Responses to the to the Remarkable." Yeah, and then like talk about that happening. Not like I didn't. I haven't thought about this massively before this podcast. But the more I think about it, the more I think that we just have so much more scope when we use our imaginations and we we speak in fiction. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously we do. Like, absolutely. that's an obvious thing to say. But like, the ways that we can impact and influence are just like, you know, like a hundredfold. And it really gets into the co- like storytelling and art really gets into the culture in a way that nonfiction doesn't yeah like you, like, you know you'll say you say that everyone's reading nonfiction. i just don't think you're right like i mean that's fair so enough. many of our this friends i'm like only, say um... i feel like a lot of people will say they've read this and that and this and that and they own it and it's like they, they, they never read it i'm just going off you know how i am i'm going off vibes you're going off like when you walk into a bookstore there seems to be a massive section that says there's non-fiction. been a huge uptick in self-improvement you know I think they buy them better and if they read them I mean, you can go look at the data, James. Spend an hour not talking to me, looking at the data after this. Yeah, fine. My hunch is that people are buying these books and not reading them. Mm, and that people are actually reading and consuming. I mean, they, as I said, like, what are they? What are people actually consuming? They're going and they're seeing Marvel movies. Yeah. They're watching TV. Mm, That's Netflix where shows, yeah. They're watching, like, how much has The Office, in fact, like, um, infiltrated the culture? Mm. You know? If without The Office... What would we whole, say to each whole other? Whole swathes of our vernacular would be different. <laughs> Seriously, I know. It I would. think for the whole English language, basically, if you're realizing it or not, there'd be huge. There'd be things we didn't say and things we do say because of The Office, of course, or because of Seinfeld, mm. because of Friends, like yeah, um, because of Game of Thrones. There's all these things that are, are much more impactful. Harry than, Potter, huge as well. I mean, more impactful than anything as tiny as an election. Wow, bold. <laughs> but it's true, right? Yeah. Like you know. Well, maybe long, more long-lasting. These bureaucrats just tick away in the background. We don't see or hear anything from them. They make a, a decision that might impact us every now and then. Like, mm. uh, But it's they're all kind of stalling and they're all kind of in there for themselves. And then these people come in with art and that's actually what's going to our brain. Yeah. And our day-to-day decision-making. Yeah. yeah. The idea of like how does the stories that we consume impact our decision-making is really interesting. Mm. And like obviously we'll never know. But just thinking about like how have all the books that you've read impacted how you've acted because i think about it you know most change doesn't come through legislation it comes through genuine change across broad swathes of society mm. and that then will maybe lead to legislation yeah it's like how are we going to improve our living conditions unless we actually people start actually changing their behavior before the law comes into, mm. into effect and that is through art mm. it's political yeah it's polit- art is all, i think inherently political mm. amazing a man is a political animal, as they say, mm. which, which which literally means, in the ancient Greek, man is a creature of the polis, of the city. They're they're a person of civic life. Mm. We're we're all part of civic life, which means that you know each of our individual decisions, which are impacted by you know our life and our circumstances and our genes, become the politics, become mm. life, and that's influenced by art yeah. hugely. Very cool. Yeah. 
That was a good discussion. I think I kind of wanted to just invite all of us uh, to either consume more storytelling or to dive into it like a more imaginative space. Mm. Um, you know, and a lot of us are already in that space, but I just wanted it to be an invitation or a permission slip or just validation that storytelling is really fucking important and making up random shit is kind of how change is made. I mean, think about when you go over to someone's house. Like, are there, are there walls bare? No, almost everyone's hanging art up on their house mm. and the decision... Mm. of what art to hang also says a lot about someone like next time you go to someone's house look at the art they're hanging mm. up like what do they what do they want you to know about yeah, what themselves do they want, yeah exactly mm-hmm. i also wanted before we end this podcast to just talk about how we have a little goal for this podcast and i thought we could talk about yeah so um a while ago maybe a month ago we wouldn't yeah we were like we want to double our listeners yeah we do um so by the end of the year we were hoping to double our listeners and yeah. we thought we'd just like to share that with you um mm. we you feel an immense amount of support from you all and it's like not because this is anything that we like you know not because we want to extract money from you or anything no. like we're, we're still we still want to keep the podcast free free and we just want to talk to more people we do and, yeah. big, and we just want to expand our community so we, we have more of you to talk to so if you want to share this podcast to pass it along to your friends like that is how podcasts grow through real word of mouth magic it's a huge word of mouth thing i, I think that i can't think of any other way really you know yeah. every time you share on your stories on instagram every yeah, time you tell a friend amazing. listen it just helps us so much it makes us feel so loved and held it does it really does um, so we just thought we'd do the vulnerable and, and generous thing and, and share with you that that was our goal for the end of the year. Um, but we are so grateful for you and we're so grateful that we get to sit down and be with you each week. Do you think it'd be a nice time to talk about your podcast coming out next <gasps> That's Friday? That's a great idea, Because that'll be, this will be the last podcast on Unpublished Relief before that. Okay, great. So next Friday, I'm releasing a paid podcast called It's Time to Write. And it's going to be very accessible financially. It's not going to be expensive. Um, and it's going to be a one-off payment, so non-recurring. Yeah, non-recurring. And you will receive 60 episodes of this podcast. And essentially, I am there to be your cheerleader. And the idea is that you listen to this podcast as you begin your creative process. So when you're setting up for your creativity, as you start your um, creative practice, I'm in your ear just cheering you on. Each day there's like a new theme. We talk about different pieces of resistances, but essentially the vibe is, hey, baby, it's time to create. I'm going to be by your side at the beginning where the resistance is most tough and we're going to sit down and make the art together. And I'm so proud of you for showing up. And they're quite short things. So you can listen to them quickly, get you in the mood quickly. It's like two to six minutes of me just fucking amping you up to create. And the idea is that you create consistently for 60 days. And there's rest days in there. So it's not 60 days straight. And Um, you can take a break every now and then. Of course, you can make it work for however you need to make it work. But the idea is, that we have a consistent creative practice um and i'm choosing to release it next week so that if you wanted to you could um finish 2021 with a real beautiful big creative streak and it's about building that trust in yourself it is it's about rebuilding trust it's about knowing that you can show up and i'm every day i'm asking you to do the very bare minimum this isn't about hustle this isn't about pushing yourself this is just about showing up and taking yourself seriously and learning that when you make a promise to your art you're going to follow through on it and i honestly it was one of my most favorite creative projects i feel like i have the most deep and intimate relationship with you by the end of it um and it was a true honor to just go on this journey with you as you create so that's coming out next friday very excited if i can get the text sorted if jamesy can get the text sorted, and if we didn't have any audio problems in the recording i did a really good i know you tried your best (laughs) i know you did unsupervised mic time yeah unsupervised mic time it's not good all right guys thank you so much we'll see you next week bye